yourself a cocktail. Ooh, good. A canned cocktail. Well, no, just the mixer is canned. Oh. I'm doing Vodka a soda? Trader Joe's pomegranate. Palm punch and tequila? Uh, tequila indeed. That's exactly nice. what it is. Nice. What are you Pretty drinking? Cool. Uh, just a white wine from the Marlboro region. David Lee, you may be aware of it. Must be Sauvignon Blanc. That's what it is. Nice. Um, so April Fool's Day, we are a day or two late for our listeners. Uh, that's probably my fault. I was traveling at the beginning of the week and then Chaz was busy yesterday. So here we are on a Saturday. I'm going to say, though, this is the perfect April Fool's Day joke for everyone right here of not posting on our normal Thursday, nor our normal adjacent Friday, but on April Fool's Day itself, Saturday. This is the best type of joke where it's actually a good joke. Like the joke was they thought we weren't going to have a show, so they would have been disappointed. And yet here we are giving them the show. Joke's on you, listeners. (laughs) Joke is on you. (laughs) Punishment is you got to listen to another week of us. (laughs) um so did you last year i think we both didn't have the foresight to plan for an april fool's joke to play on our wife and kids did you think it through this year i did not at all in fact i did uh yeah kid had to wake up and go to ballet i should have had her a good funny one but i got so rage filled at her yesterday that there was no time for april fooling today that's a way if you're raged fueled at her it's the perfect time to prank her today just tell her ballet got canceled or something like it's, that. i mean yeah i should have just said i mean she would have believed me i mean it would have truly been the perfect april fools today it's it hard it. It, it's really Another hard year you really need i need to like google search it in advance to get ideas because in the moment in the morning of i'm like I, i'm not creative saturday morning i'm exhausted from the week i don't have time for this I really blew it this year too. I doubly blew it on both. I blew all of the, so far, all of the spring traditions. Uh, blew April Fool's, of course, and also blew uh, Leprechaun's Day, also known as um, St. Patrick's Day, where she came down in the morning and was like, the house is normal. Have you, do you do this for little Austin? You no. haven't yet. Get ready for this one. I did this for a couple years and then totally forgot about it. Probably four years and then forgot about it is what you do, right? Is you set a leprechaun trap. You have like gold sprinkled dust, glitter leading into the leprechaun trap. Uh, and then, you know, it's a, like a cup or whatever with a stick under it. Uh, and then obviously a kid goes to sleep at night, you go trip the leprechaun trap. But apparently what leprechauns do is wreck your house. So then you go turn all your furniture upside down, right? And so then the kid comes downstairs and says oh and so this year she came down and was just like leprechaun didn't come it's like he didn't set the trap man like this this one is straight on you you did not set the trap you gotta have gold in the trap for the leprechaun to come so yeah but fully blew it so she still believes in leprechauns then no i think she uh doesn't believe in any of it anymore in the santas and all of it but it's is holding on so hard because she wants the uh gifts and magic and by magic, I mean gifts that right. go along with with the belief. Because uh, I was going to say that would have been the other perfect April Fool's joke. Be like, hey, Santa's not real. Leprechauns aren't real. You know the Easter Bunny that's coming in a week from now? Not real. Not real. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, she's already there mentally. Yeah. Uh, she really holds out. Like, this months ago even was the first time she's like, that Christmas present that I got that you said was from Santa, that wasn't from Santa. That was from you. 
Mm. You think what you want. The one I, uh, the hill I die on, just like it was the hill my father died on as well. So I'm passing it down is the tooth fairy. Okay. Like insisting beyond insisting. Like, I don't know. I don't know nothing about Santa or leprechauns or Easter bunnies or any of it. What I do know is the tooth fairy is real. What's the going rate for a tooth nowadays from the tooth fairy? You want to know what it is? Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't know what the going rate is, but what is the smallest bill you have on you at any given time? 20. Exactly. That's what I pay per tooth is 20 because that's the only money I ever have if I'm lucky. And if I'm running to the ATM, ATM's not cashing out fives. So it is a 20 for this house. Well, it's a the bill is a 20 because I don't use cash anymore. So Precisely. the only time I get cash is out of the ATM. Then I never, never leaves my wallet basically. And then you have a 20. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, and if you, oh shoot, Austin just lost a tooth, tooth fairy time, got to run to the ATM. ATMs don't kick out fives or tens. Yeah. They kick out twenties. So yeah. a, and any parent who, and I would defy our listeners to respond here. Any parent who goes less than 20 is the sort of parent I think that is way too planning. Like they had planned for two fives or yeah. a, a sensible $7. No, the, like the man on the move. If you're a father with anything to do in your life, the going, going rate is a 20. Well, you know who else benefited from this failure of planning on my behalf was uh, everybody who needed a tip that I encountered on our last trip to Mexico. Boom. Nightmare situation, dude. Like, sorry, I, I sorry honest, about it. Yeah, I I'll get honest, you next time. No, well, unfortunately, they benefited for more more than more oh. often than not. But they got they got US twenties. They got US twenties, dude. Yeah. Because it's like <laughs> I and I was like kicking myself. I'm like, next time I come down here, I'm getting two hundred dollars worth of five dollar bills. No. I got so screwed. You and did. at the beginning, I'm like, oh, you know what? He helped us with the bags from the airport to the you resort. Yeah, like bags plus the van ride, all of it. He deserves a twenty. But after you shell out a fourth twenty over the course of a day or two, you're like, this can this is not sustainable. You are the Oprah Winfrey of twenties. Totally. You get a twenty. You like, get a twenty. <laughs> making it rain like a strip club. Just just come here's and collect thing, everybody. Okay, here's the thing though. Like, and this is an important discussion, and I think I feel our listeners are gleaning lots of value here. Twenty is the going rate. Uh, there's been a bunch of stories these days uh, over the last couple of weeks about how tipping culture has gone out of control in America, right? Yeah, I think yeah. we even discussed it on this podcast. We discussed it last week, if I recall, about how you get served up your you know, end of meal or drink or whatever it is, computer screen, and you're either like, I mean, now the scale, I re- regularly receive the ones where the scale begins at 25. It's 25, 30, 35. No right? way. Yeah, that's I, outrageous. I regularly get that as you, you know, and of course you can go in and select your own, which is a hassle. So you don't do it. You just, but whatever. Like, there's tips for everything, right? You yeah. go to get a coffee, fine. Like, there's certain things you tip for, but there's things that now you're forced to tip for, or you know, asked to tip for that you would never tip before. And there's a real problem of, I think, you know, employers not doing what they're supposed to do, and all this kind of stuff. In any case, uh. 20 is now the only currency we have, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's things that deserve a 20 and things that don't. And so van driver helped you through bags, 
from the airport gets a 20. The dude who helps you from the lobby to your room, unfortunately, that's not a $20 job. And since all we exist is in 20s, you get nothing, bro. Like, if you want 20s, go be the van driver. Like, that's, I feel that 20 should be standard, but then there's jobs that get 20 and jobs that don't get 20. Mm. Coffee, sorry, you don't get 20. Waiter, you get 20 plus, right? Like, yeah. it's just, it'll all come out in the wash for everybody except for the bellboy and the barista. There'll be nobody willing to be a bellboy anymore or a barista. So they're going to well, go work the other jobs. Well, hopefully though, then the employer yeah. recognizes, oh, we need baristas and bellboys. Uh, we can't get any. We're going to up all your pay by X. Right. So we got the greatest tip ever last week into our donation jar. What? So, and it's funny. This is all connected, I believe. Um, listener named JJ in the Central Coast. Uh, I feel like when we talked about tipping baristas three or four years ago here on the show and I was anti because I just get a couple black coffee and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, look, if I ask for something special, then sure. And I'm making the person do extra work. Then that'd be one thing. I'm just getting a couple black coffee yet. I feel shamed into giving a tip. Sure. And I feel like JJ, sometimes I get confused because I get you know, a lot of emails and DMs and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it was JJ chimed in and said, Hey, I've worked as a barista or I am a barista and you should always tip your barista and gave some reasons why. And he changed my mind. And I now always tip even when I'm getting black coffee. Great. Good. And so, but JJ has become a tipper to us rather than setting up a $5 monthly donation. He plays, he bets on surfing. In, in whatever that platform is that Stab promotes, Bet Online or Bet AG or something like that. Okay. So he bets on CT events. And if he wins, he kicks us 10% of the winnings. That is epic. And last or last event, Portugal, he won $1,000. He won, JJ. I, think, I think it was 1100 bucks. And so he sent us 110 bucks. JJ. That's our cut. JJ, love you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if there's anything we can do to keep your winnings alive, if there's if you need an inside tip on injuries and or which surfer is not using drugs, since they're all not using drugs anymore, email chazabeachgrid.com. Well, I got you. I, I was so inspired. First of all, I was so grateful. I'm like, dude, I know that you said you would give us 10% of your winnings, but once you took a thousand bucks home, I presume that you would just never email me again. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I don't make, expect you to make good on that promise that you made a year ago or whatever, but sure JJ. enough, he he made good on it. And then I emailed him back. I'm like, dude, now I'm inspired. I want to bet on surfing. He goes, he goes, I bet a hundred bucks a an event, and I kind of spread it around on various things. And so I guess he had money on the unlikely duo of Caitlin Simmers and uh, Joao. Okay, so that's Banger. why it paid out so well. But you know, I'm like, okay, a hundred bucks per event, like. I feel like in the over the course of the season, I could at least break even if I'm For spreading sure. it around. You know For I mean? sure. And what? Come on, David Lee. Let's just we know we have ears to the ground. We know what boards they're on. We had you know what secret modifications are happening in back rooms. Well, JJ reminded me of how poorly I've done in Survival League and <laughs> ten years ago when I was betting everything on Matt Banning to come and clean house on the CT. Yeah. And then when I bet on Carlos Munoz, and then Carlos Munoz came back again and I bet on him again. So, Guess what? Guess hmm. who solved your problem for you? JJ. Your very own co-host Chad Smith. This year I decided not to be fancy. 
I decided purely to bet the best surfer in the draw. Guess who's still riding high in survival league? One Chaz Smith. Yep. 78% cold me sitting here saying, who's the best? Who who am I going for first? Stinking Jack Robinson to pipe. Boom. Who am I going for second? John John Florence at sunset. Boom. Who am I going for third? Idolo Ferreira at, uh, well, who knows where they go after that? Who knows where they go after Hawaii? They went but, to Portugal. Oh, that's where he went. Idolo. Who do I got for stinking bells? Gabriel Medina. Like, it doesn't even matter. I don't care about who what the event is anymore or holding anything. I'm just going, Gabriel's going to win. He's going to get out of the round of 32. So, Gabriel. He's a rip curl surfer. I didn't even think that far, but it's all true. Man, I I really want to argue against you, but the the stats are in. I mean, you can't. Gabriel's going to get out of the round of thirty two, and again, I've talked about this before, but I feel this could be your betting. Just go on the favorites, and I reckon, of course, JJ is winning large dollar amounts, larger dollar amounts, because he's playing odds, right? And there's always the fun dark horse, but I think you can, if you're spreading, say you're spreading two hundred bucks about. Uh, you throw a ton on a favorite, right? You're not going to win a lot, but you're at least going to win that back. And then you go like the whole thing is WSL is so dumb about their heat draw though. Just the other day, Bells is starting in ostensibly in Australia time in two days, their time, right? It's they're waking up on the second. Today is the first here. It fools. They're waking up the second. The event starts the fourth Australian time. So two days last I checked, which was hours ago, they still didn't have the number 36 surfer slotted in Kelly Slater's heat draw. Hmm. How ridiculous is but that? But they know who it is, obviously, oh, right? I don't know. There's apparently some wild card, some 36 wild card is going to come in and they're going to slot him in there. With, are, well, are they so running are a trial? Maybe they're running a trials event and that hasn't ended. Uh, it could be. Yeah. I don't think so. They don't run a Bell's trials event. Yeah, There's no do. Bell's trials. Yeah, they do. What? Adam Robinson, I think, came, or yeah, Robinson. Robertson came through the trials event one year and won the whole event. Oh, so that might, that's trials. gotta be that's it. it. And they can't okay. run the, and they don't run on a Sunday either. So they okay. gotta, they're probably doing that on Monday. So they're running tomorrow. Okay. Why did, how does bells deserve a trials to get a local wild, event, to get a local wild card? Just pick one. Pick right, one sorry. for sake. Sorry. Sorry to ruin the point though. Um, yeah. well, speaking of bells and I mean, Speaking of JJ and drummer Dave from previous week, all of the best ideas come from listeners, right? I mean, only ever. So this came from a listener into our DMs a couple of days ago. You and I both replied that we were totally going to rip it off, but I wasn't going to give him credit. I was just going to take this idea as my own and pretend like I came up with it. But then you published it on Beach Grid already. Word so. for word from him. Because there are no better words. I, no. I mean, did you offer this guy a job yet, by the way? I mean, I need to. Yeah, clearly. I mean, this is an incredible... A piece of art. He said, man, remember the 2011 tall man versus bald man rivalry? Owen versus Kelly. Oh, I'm sorry. Owen and Kelly faced off in three sequential finals. Tahiti, New York, lowers with O-Dog clipping the first and only New York event with the largest prize purse ever at the time. And Lex Luthor closing out his 30s by going two to two to three against the big fella and winning his 11th world title. What if 
Owen rights himself long enough to knock the one and only Bobby Slater out of Bells and off tour. What a tormentor's conflict for the judges and the organization to toy with. Robert K. Slater's perennial flame snuffed by the final swing of the Scarecrow. Which story strums the heartstrings the loudest? Which for you does, David Lee? I mean, it's so first of all, huge credit. It was so brilliant when I like not only well-written, but well thought going back to the 2010s and pulling that one out was, or not 2010, sorry, 20, when was it? 20, 2011. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. Uh, and pulling that. Cause I remember that at the time, I remember that happening yeah. of Kelly versus Owen, Owen winning. And then, whoa, Kelly versus Owen again. And then, wow, Kelly versus Owen again. Three finals in a row was like, I mean, it's got to be unheard of in professional surfing history, yeah? I don't think so. I think that there, you know, there's times where two people are just dominating over everybody else. Yeah. Like Kelly and Andy or whatever. So I think it may have happened, but this was really unexpected. Owen wasn't the guy that you would have bet on for any of this, you know? Back, Back then, though, I remember, I mean, Owen coming up, Owen is a younger man. Uh, had phenom written all over him. Yeah. I remember I did an interview with him early, and he was loose, and he was surfing phenomenally, and he had a real sort of star quality about him that, like, I think reared its head every once in a while. Not to use head in a negative way, it's reared its good head every once in a while. Like his was it three tens at Cloudbreak? Four. Four tens. I think exactly. he had two perfect heats in one event. Yeah. Where like, I mean, he showed like Owen flashed brilliance. And then this run too, right? Like winning yeah. New York, which was, uh, the waves were pumping too. Yeah. If lest people forget, like that was, they had a hurricane swell that had lined up absolutely epically for that event. And it was a wonderful event. Owen taking it. And then, yeah, I, Owen's had flashes through his career. Yeah. But ultimately, boop kicked off tour and now is writing depressing memoirs. But, but honestly, I love this storyline considering that that is a rivalry that existed in one moment, you know, in three events, basically Owen versus Kelly to see Owen on his way out to re ignite the rivalry and to Kelly dispatch out. Kelly off tour would be the ultimate. And Kelly would not be able to quit with that. He would have to get on the challenger series and get back on tour just cause he can't go out like that. I forgot that we talked about it last time. Uh, refresh my memory that wildcard points are only allowed allowed pre-cut. Correct. Unless, is, yeah. unless you're a world champ or a final five finisher. Yeah. <laughs> That's the caveat rule is on post post cut. If you are a world champ or a wildcard or a, um, whatever, a top five finisher, you're good. Competing as a wild card, you still get points towards the back. So Kelly doesn't have to actually go back to the challenger. He'll just take it. He'll have to take his wild cards for, but how much shame, but maybe that'll drive Kelly, I suppose. Like, I feel that Owen's going to come in surfing loose and fast, right? Owen's got absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. This is his, for sure. He's got nothing to lose. This is his swan song, his retirement, his go out to the crowd and doff the cap, right? Yeah. Like he's not projecting like this is um you know really trying to work back out to get onto the tour this is his announced retirement nothing right. to lose he'll be as loose as a goose uh kelly no matter what he claims has got to be feeling 
much tension and pressure. Yeah. He's below the cut line, well below. I think, uh, I think he's feeling tremendous pressure. And if the waves aren't good, are you kidding? Yeah. He's going to be freaking out. Well, the amount of hemming and hawing and excuse making that is going to come out of that man, if he does fall off, is going to be so painful that I honestly hope he stays on. Well, I think that'll make for better news stories. So I'm, if, I'm rooting if, for it. For him to fall off or yeah. stay on? For him to fall off. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's an annoying drip, drip, drip of, no, no, I retired a couple months ago and yeah. like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I'd say if he doesn't immediately come back with a wild card, he will book a ticket somewhere that's just, uh, you know, massive barreling surf and then try to drop, shade. try to, yeah, try to just drop clips that blow everything else away. That's true. Which the, he should do. And the beauty about Kelly, I, I think his egoic narcissism in the best possible way is that he is a part owner of the WSL, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like for those listeners who don't know, maybe when they bought Kelly Slater wave pool, uh, the wave pool owners or investors or whatever essentially rolled over into WSL ownership, whether they wanted to or not. So I, I know a couple of them who did not want that, but as sorry, tough luck, you are rolled over into WSL ownership now. So Kelly is an owner, part owner of the WSL. He will go shade his own product uh, just because he got his he got his ego tweaked. Yeah. Which is good. Go Kelly. Do yeah. Um, well, I should have mentioned, so you mentioned Survival League that you're out of, or that you're still in it. In. Guess what? I'm back in it too via the Losers, Losers League. Round. Losers <laughs> round ain't so bad. So who do you... can? question for and for those listeners there's still i think hours by the time this goes live for you to sign up to the losers round it is surf slash or surf dash right Fival? Yeah, yeah. no sorry surf Fival dash league correct yeah surf Fival surf Fival dash league.com go sign up again if you've fallen off or if you missed the first cut and uh my question for you is do you get to rehab rehash you can throw it all out and go the whoever you lost on i mean i guess you lost quick enough where you didn't really use any surfers but thanks yeah you're welcome. um i don't know if i get to get a fresh list of surfers or not but i already had my picks designated for the entire season and i'm sticking with that who's who's your pick for bells john john okay smart yep looking good yep. in form uh who's your pick then for margaret uh i believe jack robinson Oh, good. Okay. I mean, yeah. So you're, I feel that you're going to go on the tried and true of best in. Well, yeah, that's what we, I mean, the event that I lost in, uh, I think it was Jack Robinson at sunset. I lost with him. Oh no, yeah. no, no. It wouldn't have been Jack. Hold on. Now I got to just pull up my spreadsheet. It's going to take me a second. Um, We'll just cut this dead air. Hold on. We don't need to cut it. Listeners like, I'm just going to keep talking. Vamp. Talk about um, pretty day in Southern California. First day we've had sun. Okay. Okay. This is where I went wrong. Kelly at pipe. Which actually that's where, that's where I went wrong was Kelly at pipe. Now that I think about it. That's a crazy ass risky move right there to begin with. Kelly won pipe last year. He's the most winning surfer ever at pipe. It seemed like the safest bet ever. 
He's also 50 years old. That's like stinking betting some like aging home run king to go hit dingers again the next year. Like just because he had a weird breakout steroid season the year before. I want to argue with you, but I can't because he lost and I'm out. And Kelly's losing all year. Like father time, like Kelly had a massive flash, right? Like the much vaunted green flash when the sun sets at Pipe last year. I feel that that is the last thing that Kelly is ever going to do. Now yeah. he could prove me wrong at Bills, but I feel that was it. That was like, boom. That was his supernova moment where yeah. the star exploded. It's great. Looks pretty, right? Uh, and that's it. There's yeah. no more star. Sucked me into the vortex. Yep. Black hole. Me and, me and like 70% of the Survivor yeah. League. So I I was planning to use, or I used him at Pipe. I lost. I was planning to use Baron Mamiya at Sunset. I would have lost with him. Yep. Uh, but that was a risky bet. I just figured... He's you, wanted. You were gonna save. Yeah, exactly. I'm. Gonna, I. This is a guy I'm not gonna use anywhere else. Sure. On. Yeah. So I'm just gonna use him here. I would have lost with him, so I would have lost two in a row. And then Idolo was my pick for Portugal. I would have made it out of there. And then John John for Bells, Robo for Margaret, Kanoa for Surf Ranch. If so you're sticking with. Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are solid. I feel those are solid bets right there. Okay. All right. Cool. Moving forward. As long as I have your approval, I'm gonna proceed. I feel this year. The snake has finally unbit. I feel solid to the end. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. the confidence. So for those who want to get in on the Losers League, uh, Survival League, it's the same price. It's 20 bucks. It's the same rules, but the prizes are less. So you're not competing against the original league. You're only competing in the Losers League, and it's 1000 bucks instead of a $5,000 prize, and I think it's one Panda Surfboard instead of three? Three. Okay. Cool. So I'm in. Hopefully you guys can get in if you want and if you haven't gotten that email yet from Survival League. Um, one final thing I wanted to say about the writer of that scenario, Tall Man versus Bald Man. Uh, how many zingers did he deliver to both surfers throughout that? And he never reused one twice. Nope. Scare The Scarecrow I loved. I loved Tall Man, Bald Man. <laughs> I loved Lex Luthor. Everyone. I mean, he... That's what made it so great, right? Not only was it a interesting whole scenario, but it was just beautifully written. That's yeah. why I had to take it word for word. I would hated to steal your thunder. Yep. But I knew, yeah, the power of the pen beats the power of the podcast at that point. Totally. In terms of instant gratification. Totally. We love you, our listeners. Um, so the WSL posted a job available on LinkedIn.com slash surf a couple of weeks ago. I sent it to you. I asked you to apply for it. The job is the assistant tours and competition, uh, assistant comma for the tours and competition. So the WSL is looking for an assistant tours and competition to support the chief of sport, which would be Jesse Miley Dyer. The assistant will play a vital role on the tours and competition team, supporting the execution of initiatives across the department and provide general administrative support. The ideal candidate is somebody with a strong administrative skills, coupled with a potential and desire to develop and grow in the competitive sports industry. We are looking for someone who is a self-starter, solution-oriented, and overall someone who loves sports. At WSL, we encourage team members to take initiative and bring forth creative ideas and solutions. Did you apply? It. I blew it. It's still available. I really blew it. Okay. I can unblow it and apply today. So my thought was apply and then keep us posted week to week. Give us a play-by-play on Beach Grit and on the podcast of uh, what the communications are like. 
so I'm glad that we can talk about this before I actually apply because I can give the World Surf League uh, the exact thing to do that would really thwart me. What do you mean? The way to take all the air out of the room and make me look like a real fool would be to hire me and then actually make me go do the job. Be yeah. like, oh, okay, Completely. great. You're hired. Come come on up and we need a self-starting can-do kind of blah blah You're you know required to be in the office these days. And I would be like snickering up my sleeve while they're like, okay, you were late today. Like, that's not cool. You know, you're not working very well. And like you throw a stack of papers on my desk and you, you know, like sort these papers and business, business, business. Like I would be muffled for until I got fired, but I getting fired by the world surf league would be so shameful. A la what Kelly Slater is probably dealing with right now that I would have to kind of up my game a bit to keep the job, which means I would keep the job and just keep working for like, it would be the ultimate power flex. So I am going to apply now and see if they have, even though I've totally given them the playbook of how to not only make me look like a fool, like neuter me for the foresee forever, forever. This would be it. Like Elo almost neutered. When you and I went in and did our Elo, that was a near neutering, right? Yeah. Uh, This would be a proper neutering. Well, I don't think it would be a full neutering. I think it'd be a muffling temporarily, but you could be chronicling every detail of the experience and then release that, publish it either as a book or a sequence of articles once you're fired. I mean, they can, and this, see, this is where I'd like these things to go is let's test our metal. Let's go out and clash swords and see if you guys are so believing that the all caps momentum is real, that you guys have the formula that you are saving surfing, et cetera, et cetera. You should look at my challenge as touche. We've got you. Come on in. Let's fight. Yeah. And let's see. They're such pussies. They would never do anything. I think it's the perfect job too, because you don't really have any power. Like you can't no. ruin anything. You're just the assistant. It'd be like straight administrative stuff. Yeah. And Jesse Miley, it'd be administrative stuff for her. So yeah. she, it could be getting her coffee. It could be going to leadership conferences with her. Going precisely like organizing her leadership conference, uh, where do you think she stays when she goes to leadership conferences? Does she, what's Jesse Miley Dyer's hotel? Like, of course the leadership conferences there, there's a, uh, whatever Hilton. What's the low level Hilton garden? Double, double tree. Double tree. There's a, for sure. She's staying a lot of double trees. Uh, does she have a rider? Is Jesse Miley Dyer say, yes, in my double tree, I expect only a bowl of only, uh, lemon Skittles. I need a glass of chilled barefoot Chardonnay and uh, three bagels unbuttered. It would all be WSL sponsor related product. I need the a barefoot, Bailey ladder the barefoot set up Chardonnay. Yeah. Outside my window. <laughs> the ladder, you know, BF Goodrich tires on the vehicle as well, please. Yeah, on the Jeep. Corona, two Coronas. Rider, her Jesse Miley Dyer Rider. Do you want to guess what the salary is? 
I'm going to guess it is 55 to 65. I mean, spot on. 50 to 64. Oh, boom. So yeah. That was really but, good. But imagine uh, nothing against those making $50,000 in these dear United States. But in Southern California, getting by on 50 grand uh, would be no easy task. Uh, it would be pointless because you could go be a bartender four days a week and make more. Yeah. I mean, so, and again, those listening earning less than 50, I, God bless you. Yeah. Southern California is expensive. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. Um, so, okay. We've covered bells. (laughs) That's how much (laughs) on a surf podcast. That's the extent that the WSL or that the, uh, CT events get from us at this point. I mean, that's how bad they are. Truly, true. Like, what is the forecast for bells? Have you looked? <laughs> Who knows? No, I don't think it's good. But it's, um, I haven't looked. I've just a couple of people have messaged me about it, and they're like, "Oh no, it's going to be another crappy event." But there can always be, uh, things happen late in the window. That's too far out right now to predict that sort of Sweet. stuff. Sweet. So, um, by the way, I've got some feedback from last week. If you'd like to hear it, great. Said so, boys. You're 100% correct when it comes to surfers and their cars. I guess I'd be considered a, quote, car guy, as I've been going to car shows for over 20 years and I cruise a lowrider. Not once have I ever had a good surf-related conversation with a Woody owner or a VW bus guy at a car show. When they find out that I surf, boy, do they want to talk. They love the culture. They spend lots of money to represent the culture with their vehicles. They even collect wall hangers and support local surf events, but they're not going to give you any current sandbar updates. Um, Also, by the way, I do have a Tacoma as well, and it doesn't give me a free pass when I pull up to a wave that's not local to me, but people in the lot at new spots always seem eager to share the best post burrito, uh, best post surf burrito spot. Great call. Keep up the work. Brandon, he attached pictures of both of those vehicles. Uh, how, what, what kind is the low rider? What great question. Make, make model you get. Great question. And I, uh, I did take note of that, but I wanted to ask you first, what do you envision when you hear the term low rider? Okay. I'm going to guess a, uh, this is a tough one. Brandon, he has a Tacoma. He's a surfer. But okay. That aside, if somebody just says the word low rider, what do you think of? I mean, I'll think of like a like slammed El Camino or a slammed uh, uh, Impala. Impala like, is what I was thinking too. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, he kind of surprised me. 1949 Chevy Fleetline. Oh my goodness. So he's like legit. Yeah, legit. I mean, a 49 Chevy Fleetline is like a straight gangster slam. Yeah proper yeah but uh low rider i don't associate with surfer either though you know what i mean like everything that he was saying i'm like having a hard time envisioning him in a low rider and then when i saw the photo i could kind of envision it yeah i mean i think low rider culture and or car culture is a separate thing from surf culture but i think that a surfer can be a car nut and vice versa right a car nut can be a surfer yeah like where yeah those two uh, the Venn diagram where those things meet, I think can be really big. I think there can be a huge overlap between car nut and surfer. 
Well, he also made me realize the Toyota Tacoma not only is like the most common surfer owned vehicle in Southern California, I'm going to start picking burrito spots based on Toyota Tacoma. How many Tacomas are in the, in the lot? I feel like there's overlap in that Venn diagram. Actually, now that I think about it, the low rider might be a good indicator too. If you see a low rider and a Tacoma in a burrito parking lot, boom, that's where you want to go. I mean, I feel the Venn diagram of low rider, Tacoma, burrito, where those all mix right in the middle there is that's the dude you want to be hanging out with. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon. That's who we yep. want to be hanging out with. For sure, Brandon. Uh, we also got one from uh, John Still in Survival on Vanderpump Rules. Great. He, he literally signed off his email, John Still in Survival. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you just rubbing it in at this point? <laughs> There's no conversation about Survival League throughout his entire email. He just signed it off with John Still in Survival. <laughs> he said, um, so I'm the guy who sits on the sidelines judging, snickering, and agreeing with you guys. This lap last episode, however, has pulled me out of my beanbag. The 20 minutes or hour or hell, I don't know how long that Vanderpump rant went on for, has had me put text to email for the first time ever after listening to you guys for years. Perhaps this is what you were aiming for. Let's rile up the tribe. Let's see if anyone is truly paying attention to our name blathering. Well, here I am. I couldn't wait to share my rant or share your rant with my wife, who is fully invested in that show. She says, sounds like those guys actually watch with their wives. So let's be honest. You guys are way too passionate for non-watchers. Also, I'm a huge baseball geek, uh, having played high school and college and some minor league ball. Kaloa Andino needs what we call a slump buster. I'm thinking he needs to head to Vietnam and help children building firewire surfboards. Anything to break him out of the slump. Thank you if you've made it this far. I tend to rant. My wife just yelled at the TV, shut up, Sheena. Sounds like I just missed something important. Keep up the work, John. still in survival. John, thank you so much. And I feel like I'm only, and we are only ever honest on this show, right? I've yeah. never seen one second of Vanderpump Rules. What I am, though, I suppose at this point is like when culture hits some kind of momentum, like that Vanderpump thing, I honestly had to see that for like seven or eight or 10 days before I said, wait, what is this? Yeah. But once that happens, once critical mass reaches, then I feel I have to address it, at least understand it ish, and then share those understandings with the listeners. So they don't have to actually ever watch the show. That's the whole point. Mm. No, right. No, I, I feel that's what it is. It's feel like, okay, I'm going to do the heavy lifting here, man. I don't want to do this. I don't want to dig into stinking Sandoval and the Scandoval and any of it. I like, don't care, but this has been blasted at me so much that I need as a service for our listeners to understand it and to share. It's noble. Um, I went a step further and watched two episodes this week. How was it? It's exactly what you think it would be. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, did you catch, did you catch zesty ones? Like was yeah, the yeah. scandal happening in real time? Well, so, as we discussed last week, Scandaval is happening uh, right now 
yeah. in you know in current times but this was what's airing right now was filmed last year but apparently the two people having the affair were having it last year so it's sure. happening behind the scenes that's what i'm saying in real time though okay. like in actual real time yes. not in our time yes so apparently they were sleeping together in the episodes that i watched yes but that will not be revealed until next season of course um but, but were you looking for clues yeah so that's that's exactly right so that makes it a lot more interesting viewing you know um and it was interesting i mean the reality is it's like it's um it's like eating taco bell basically it's like i feel awful afterwards this is in no way enriching this has zero nutritional content for me but if, if it's the end of the day if it's the end of the week you don't want to think you don't want to turn on the news and be depressed you don't want to watch some intellectual debate that you're going to engage your mind in you just kind of want mindless chatter and that's kind of what it is or that's uh, entirely what it is was lauren thrilled that you were turning on vanderpump rules um that i was watching it with her yeah yeah, yeah. so and she watches no the funny thing is she's only started watching because of the scandal okay yeah she got so, sucked in as a viewer because of the news stories i mean that, well that's what i'm saying and again for our listeners like this is the service provided like this thing is happening right this thing yeah. is happening to a lot of their significant others too i feel like i don't know why the scandal was so enticing but for whatever reason it was and so it's our duty as a surf podcast to dissect why and how well I've got a suggestion. I emailed it back to John still in survival as well. Uh, for Chloe and Dino's slump uh, bust. If they are filming make or break season three right now, he's below the cut line. He's probably well, doesn't really have a lot of cameras pointing at him. He needs to go have an affair with somebody else's wife. I mean, cameras are looking it's scandal season. This will get him in the limelight. He might ruin a marriage or two, but this is a, you know, a last ditch effort to have a second phase of a career. Jack Robinson's wife would be Boom. the best bet there. Boom. Yep. Because Jack right? is going for a world title. So yep. that's distracted. Totally distracts Jack. Exactly. Yep. Get him out of that world title. Cameras on Kaloe. And uh, whether or not he makes the cut or whatever, he now has celebrity. And he yep. can do whatever he wants. He can leverage that celebrity. So exactly how Chloe can lever leverage that celebrity too is you front a cover band. Kolo Imagine you would go see Kolohe's cover band. I'd go see it. We'd all go see it. Kolohe singing like the best of the cars. <laughs> I was just going to say what band or what uh, genre does he cover? I mean, I feel Kolohe would want to go... Uh, kind of country-ish, but if Kolohe just went straight up like D like Dino era hits, if Kolohe went and did Duran Duran, The Cars, uh, I mean, I guess The Cars were a little after that, but... Uh, what if what if it was um, punk, all surf film or surf video soundtracks covers? Ooh, if he, if Kolohe, if Kolohe just went and did, uh, oh, dang it. Just slipped my mind. What was the band in every one of them videos? It was uh in every one of what videos? In every nineties surf video was oh, Pennywise. Was punk? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. If Kalohe did a Pennywise cover band, I think that would crush. The totally opposite direction. I could see him doing like a crooner, like um 
I don't know, Neil Diamond or something like that. Oh, yeah. Move to. Neil Diamond's got Parkinson's now, too. Oh, Neil, does he? Neil Diamond has Joel Parkinson's disease, so it'd be a <laughs> perfect no tie idea. crossover. I have no idea. Don't. I cannot. Let's edit out me laughing at that joke. Nope. I mean, I think I Neil just saw that. I mean, it's okay. Neil, had a good good career. Yeah. Um, Sweet how about, Caroline. How about those uh, those punny uh, cover band names? Oh, man, those like, are the worst. Like Yacht Rock Band that... It's called Yachty by Nature. Yeah. And I so, saw I saw another one on a marquee the other day that was that like that. It was a yacht rock thing. They incorporated the word yacht into the name. And I'm just like, oh God. I'm so over punny names. Yeah. Uh yeah. I don't even get me started on punny names. Okay. But back to real quick though. Uh John's still in survival. Was that yeah. the was that the I don't talk about it nearly enough here as I should, and I'm sure as many of our listeners just would love me to talk more about is baseball. My absolute love of baseball opening season a couple days ago. Uh, yeah. Baseball truly is the best game ever. Right. Like, by far. You're not a baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball in leagues and definitely watching it. And then at a certain point I never looked back. Baseball is everything. Uh, if the world surf league is going to be what it is uh, bloated and long, then baseball is your best thing to be, right? Where it's more or less six months every single day. And you have something to think about every single day. Like where your team is playing every day. Every day. It's crazy. Every day. Like there's a couple days off, but more or less every day. So every day there's a game. Every day there's a storyline. Like so you can be as freaky invested in it as you want or... I mean, that's why I just love when opening day hits, I'm just like all in of like, there is a, another little thing to think about now yeah. every day. Yeah. Every day. All right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Beach grit comment section, uh, contributor Twilzy, you know, Twilzy. I don't know him, but I definitely know the, uh, handle Twilzy. Have you ever heard his voice? No. You want it? Yes. Twilzy called into the listener this, line. I'm this play is it. major. Like, yeah. this is kind of a cross-pollination that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, here it is. Cheers and David. Twilzy here from the Beach Creek comment section. I've got a kook or current for your consideration. Disrespecting surfboards. So if you start with the mix and the perps and the gabbies with their 200, 100 boards per year down to, you know, the QS Dirt Tracker is getting 20 to 40 boards per year. None of these ripping cunts can logistically have anything but fleeting relationships with each board. And then as soon as they go disquiet or angry or sad, what happens? They beat the shit out of them, don't they? They destroy their boards. I've seen hundreds of them do it for decades and decades. Zero respect for what most of us is a substantial financial and definitely emotional investment. And these guys are clueless that us Joe Smos are horrified by these actions. Um, as for kooks, oh my goodness, there seems to be a direct rock-solid correlation between mismatched fins, jammed with bits of wood, gangrenous dings that have got automotive bog in them, missing noses, and the complete lack of the board owner to have anything close to surfing in a coherent manner. Um, kooks just carry on with it too. They don't seem to ever fix the dings, or you see them dragging their boards across rocks, shit, sand, filled all wax all over the rails and the bottom of the board. And it's just plain retarded shit that, you know, any any normal surfer would just be freaking out about disrespecting their boards. 
Uh, anyway, tell us what you think. Keep up the work. And remember, nobody gets paid to surf. They just work in advertising. Brilliant. I love Twilsy's voice was perfect Australian. That was peak Australian right there. Mm. Thank you, Twilsy. I also agree. And these kook or currens are absolutely, or sorry, Kirk and Kook, Kook and Currens are brilliant because unlike, you know, a barrel or not, sure, like anything, you know, whatever, opening the door or leaving the door open after you leave, you're going to come back inside, barrel or not, right? Like those are a diamond. Anything could be a barrel or not. Kook and Currens are so stinking specific and rare that to find one feels like stumbling on a pearl, right? Like That's been sitting right in front of you the whole time. Completely. And this is exactly true, but I will go one more on Twilsies and say the surfer who slaps his board or beats his board in the lineup uh, is either a kook or a Curran, right? Like, I mean, Curran's never done that, but look at Idolo stomping on a board, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I have never seen a, a decent enough surfer beat their board in the yeah. lineup. I've seen all kind of guys going straight and then wiping out and like look, turning their board over and looking at it like something was wrong and giving it a punch. That's his exact point is if you're an intermediate surfer, you're too invested in the surfboard. You're yeah. financially invested, you're emotionally invested. And so you would never, but if you're a pro, the thing is free obviously. And, um, and fleeting, like, cause you have 200 of them, like he said. Sure. And then if you're a beginner, you're, it's a brand new relationship to you. You'll punch it because you think that it scorned you when you're the actual kook, you know? Well, that's the so, thing. I mean, I, I think any decent enough surfer on the intermediate scale knows full well when they've blown it, it sure wasn't the board that right. caused them to blow it. Right. Uh, like, but the, the kook, the full, like, to be honest, I bet Eric Logan has given his board a good solid angry punch. <laughs> I believe, well, I saw him, there was a, he posted something in his Instagram comments about him or Instagram uh, stories about him doing a ding repair. And so that ding could have come from his own fist. I have no doubt. He would be the kind of guy who thinks that the amount of hours he's done at Kelly surf ranch, et cetera, et cetera, that he thinks that I am a pretty good. Yeah. And then blows a section out of Manhattan beach, El Porto and thinks this stupid board and just can't control his bop yeah. on yeah. the bottom. <laughs> well, so that for listeners, the uninitiated, uninitiated kook and current there's certain things in surfing that only kooks do and only the best surfers in the world do and nobody in between no intermediate surfers do these things so disrespecting surfboards are we officially adding it yes a hundred percent like i think so yeah disrespecting surfboards is a guaranteed in especially i will say yeah I'll put it in ink. That. Yep. Done. So there's another we thing. We need to make a list of these. I have We're all going to get lost. Okay, good. I have a list. I think I've missed a few over the years, but I do have a version of a list. Great. Um, the other detail there that I thought was really, we could probably excavate, not right now, but over the course of time, we need to like let it simmer and maybe have a series of articles on this too, is pro surfers polyamorous relationship with surfboards. Yeah. There's something, there's something interesting there to me, which is not beneficial for their own surfing relationship. Like the, the transient nature of 
the way that they receive those boards, you're never going to get the most out of the surfboard. And I don't think that they're going to get the most out of their surfing by doing it that way either. As opposed to way back in the day when like professional surfing was being founded, those guys would ride three boards over the course of an entire season, traveling the world with three or sometimes one board, you know, yeah. and really get to know it. I mean, what do you think? This is a year, right? This is a lot longer, bigger conversation. But what do you think about the pro who rides, let's say, Biolises, going to uh, the North Shore and riding Arakawas? I think that makes a lot of sense. Makes sense, kind of, to me. But also, Eric Arakawa, I'm sure, is like the master, right? Yeah. I mean, not sure i think i know that he, he is like the mastered north shore shaper uh if you really want to ride arakawas why not just ride them everywhere well it, you can ride arakawas everywhere but you need to get a groveler arakawa if you're going to california you can't but you don't ride think the north that shore eric arakawa. arakawa can figure out how to make a groveler he does that's my point yeah but you wouldn't ride your north shore arakawa in huntington of course but i like the, the fact that everybody goes to the North Shore and gets Arakawa's makes me think okay, he's like an epic shaper, right? He understands waves. He understands dynamic. He understands these things. Why aren't more pros riding Arakawa's on tour full stop? So that's probably just a marketing uh, budget related thing for Arakawa. Like, does he want to chase down those team riders and pay them to ride his boards? You know, I mean, Jack Robinson was riding his boards, uh, out of his own choice for yeah. a period of time. And then I think sharp eye wooed Jack and now Jack's going to ride sharp eyes all the time. But I don't know if Eric has the budget for that or if that's even part of his business strategy or even what he cares about. He just wants to be the North shore, yeah. North shore guy. But the, I think the, the, it makes a lot of sense to do that though, because realistically, Eric, you could be the best at one thing. I don't think you could be the best at everything. And so if you're going to go to California uh, mayhem makes great California surfboards. So why wouldn't you get it from mayhem? You shouldn't ask Eric to make the best California surfboard. You know what I mean? I guess I hear you. I, all I know is last time I went to the North shore, I got a board from Chris Gallagher, a galley galley and, uh, Chris Gallagher designs is what it is actually. Um, and, uh, it was so different than every surfboard that I have in my quiver and every board that I would normally ride. It was just so much more foiled, so much more rockered, narrower. Was it um, potato chippy? But with a lot of foam. It's got like the potato chip type of, like if you just looked at it from a distance, it has that type of a foil, but it's just thicker, you know, like it, it's meant to go in Hawaiian waves that have power but I cannot ride it at home. You know, I can't ride it around here. It needs really good waves is what it needs. Man. So you and I need to go on a charging tour. That's what we need. What does that mean? Uh, charging waves. Yeah. Getting like proper board shape for the North shore and just going out to 20 foot sunset and getting her. That's where I rode that board actually was at sunset, but it wasn't 20 feet. (laughs) Um, well we have one other submission for, kook and curran that happened to come in this week actually by the way for listeners lots of listener line calls came in this last week and i did not get to them so we might get to them next week but here's one hello david lee scales and Chaz. this is mike from encinitas i have a proposal for a kook or current later design surfboards 
I only ever see people who totally rip, like Kevin Schultz, Kelly Slater, or Kook. What do you think? Thanks. I hate to put I'm a whole, put this. I hate to put a whole brand on blast like this, but it's interesting. It is, and I, like I think this definitely goes into the dear listeners. Observe more in the wild. I need to observe more in the wild, right? He's exactly right. I've never seen. I've only seen like brand new Slater designs uh, getting carried down to the beach by people who I assume aren't great surfers, but I don't sit and watch them surf. I can also say I've never actually seen one in the lineup myself under somebody's feet. Have you? I've seen them in the lineup and I cannot recall seeing an intermediate surfer riding one. Only kooks. And, and pros. Yeah. I mean, Kelly. And or Rob and whoever else. I mean, he's not riding Slater Designs, I suppose. Did how is you know you're in this industry, David Lee Scales? How is Slater Designs as a surfboard? Is it working? Like as a business? Yeah. Well, I. I mean, I know it's part of Firewire. Yeah. All I know is when you look at the sales that Firewire has been doing. You know, they did a sale two or three months ago that was like, was it fifty percent off? Mm-hmm. It was something big, right? You wrote about it, I think. And then yes. two or three weeks ago, they did another, I think it was 20% off from all of the retailers. Like any retailer that carries Firewire surfboards and or Slater designs, 20% off for a day or two, or, or maybe it was a week. I don't think those are signs of a healthy business. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I, So I don't know anything about the back end. I don't know anything about their books. Uh, all I know is when, when a company is doing that type of uh, fire sale, no pun intended. Um, It's not a sign of health. It's not a sign of we're crushing it. There's so much demand for our product. We can't fulfill it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So that's all I know. I mean, my goodness. Have you ridden a Slater Designs? No. Um, the, The other thing is with COVID, just in terms of the industry itself, surfboard manufacturing, because during COVID, everybody saw a lot of growth. And um, I think a lot of people uh, ramped up production. And so, and then a lot of that inventory got stuck in the shipping containers because of what was happening here in uh, Long Beach. And so I think a lot of that inventory has landed in the last eight months and surfboard sales are at an all-time low. So there's people who are sitting on tons of inventory and sales are hitting a slump. And so that could be related to why you're seeing sales like that too. What but, else theoretically could you do with a Slater design surfboards? I mean, somebody needs to come <laughs> up with like, like building mini houses or something with Slater designs. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yep. But everybody who's listening, keep your eyes out in the water. See if you see any intermediate surfers riding them. Uh, question for you, Chaz Smith, Jonah or not Jonah. Kanye West has come out of hiding and posted on Instagram for the first time in a long time. All of his other posts had been deleted. So he has one post on Instagram that gets shared with his millions and millions of followers. And the one post happened to be about a surfer, happened to be an image of 21 Jump Street movie poster with Jonah Hill front and center. And Kanye said, Watching Jonah Hill in 21 Jump Street made me like Jewish people again. 
no one should ever take their anger out against one or two individual take anger against one or two individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people no christian can be labeled anti-semite knowing jesus is jew thank you jonah hill i love you thank you jonah hill surf icon single-handedly grabs somebody back from the brink of an anti-Semitic life. Brilliant. So, and Jonah, by the way, I saw a news story yesterday. Jonah Hill uh, is having a baby. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Congrats to Jonah. I know. Uh, Lauren just shouted at me from the sofa. She's like, Jonah Hill, he is so skinny and he's having a baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, sure enough, I think it was on page six Instagram account or something. Phenomenal Jonah Hill. So congrats. love every second of it. Congrats to Jonah Hill on the show here, I yeah. feel, sooner than later. I agree. Uh, but, but yeah, good on Jonah. So the, the best comment on Instagram from Kanye's Instagram, I think it was on Kanye's. Yeah. Uh, that I read, of course you get served the comments, right? Who are people you follow. So it's, or people in your sphere. So somebody clearly surfy must've written it was, Oh, it's a real bummer that, that, uh, that Jonah didn't make 21 jump street in 1939. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That is good. Yeah, it really caused yeah. me a chuckle. But good yeah. job, Jonah. Freaking Jonah Hill, it. surf icon. But again, um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is doing everything right. I'm gonna say, right? Yeah. Like, and by everything right, I mean deleting his Instagram, getting off socials. Like, realized I feel that this surf life and this surf journey is a private life and a quiet journey. And you don't put it on blast, right? It is a, you shush up about it. And of course, Jonah is majorly famous. How do you shush up about it entirely when there's people taking pictures of you surfing? But you can do your part in deleting your own socials, which is what Jonah did. And I have huge respect for Jonah Hill for, I feel Jonah Hill, initially it was all kind of funny, right? Now I think Jonah Hill is not the surfer we deserve. We deserve much worse. He is the patron saint that we somehow got. Well, let me ask you this then. Uh, is it a good or bad thing to have Kanye West hyping you? I think it's a great thing. You I mean, think? let's be honest. I, I feel like uh, if Kanye... Uh, I don't want to be aligned with Kanye in any way. And if he is... I don't know. Whenever you do watch something like Vanderpump Rules you realize there is the villain and then there's the hype person for the villain. And you're like, God, if that hype per that it's just, it stains you. You know what I mean? Like that hype person is going to be stained with that brush and vice versa. I don't want anything, any association whatsoever. I get it. But like in this day and age, David Lee scales in this day and age we live in where not condoning anything clearly and hopefully obviously that Kanye ever tweeted or said regarding Jewish people and his hatred of them. Uh, can't we not allow for a little mental illness and or mental illness combined with bad ideas and or missteps? Like, yeah, okay. Kanye went off on a weirdo tear, right? That's uncool. That is unchill Kanye. That was not a good idea, but if you decide to come on back and be like, oh, I'm sorry, like 
like in that post, what I read in the subtext was Kanye felt burned and or hurt by his managers uh, or people in his life who happen to be Jewish, right? And so he took out his rage on the entire Jewish population. But also along this vein, I suppose, did we talk about the Chris Rock special on air or do we just talk privately about it? On air. Okay, so I watched it last night. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and I have a total different opinion than you. I oh, thought it okay. was, I thought it was like he dealt, uh, I felt with the sort of hot buttons in a really funny, interesting way. Hmm. Like in terms of like cancel culture and all of it, right? And I know these are just old now boring tropes. Like these kinds of, uh, I don't know, like whatever it is that just gets posted up. But I feel that this is how fraught our entire conversation is, that these things aren't allowed to be talked about it. And so when people talk about them from Dave Chappelle, and of course, Dave Chappelle is does it a different way than Chris Rock and is a different comedian than Chris Rock. And like, I enjoy Chappelle's comedy a lot more too. But I thought uh, Chris Rock's, again, in line with this Kanye thing of it's just all so crazy now we used to be able to say stuff and then get away with it and or not and then apologize and then move on right everything now just being so you said this you're finished forever is wacky to me and so i'm you lost me you you lost me at dealt with it in a funny way i didn't think it was funny at all there was i mean i was really i was really chuckling about uh particularly the bit about his daughter getting kicked out of school and how he got her kicked out of school yeah. really had me tickled how he spoiled his children and how spoiled they were. And then she went and drinking on a school, whatever. And then he went and kicked her out. Just the, like that kind of life thing I thought was really funny. There was a couple things like that, that I thought were not only funny, but kind of poignant. I thought the, that story was the only interesting part about the special, but I didn't think it was necessarily funny, but I did think it was interesting because it was, like most stand-up comedy just pulled from his real life you know like this is what's going on with me and he told the story and i like sure but everything else i thought was preachy and not funny i mean i suppose even the because i had you know we talked about it and like the white people stealing government from their own people i mean even that got me i thought this is properly funny really like who, who do they think they're getting it from? It's not us. Like they are stealing their government from themselves, which I thought that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Chris Rock. I think it's just a misunderstanding of uh, the whole situation <laughs> itself. Like, because white people aren't one person, you know what I mean? Like there's sure. multiple conflicting groups here, uh, politically, ideologically different groups here. No, they're not all just one person to, paint them as one person is just a total misunderstanding. If you actually understand the situation, then there could be funny jokes in there. But if, sure. it, if you misunderstand the entire premise and then base a joke on a misunderstanding, it l- misses, you know? I, I mean, I, I completely hear you uh, and understand, like, of course, and we should really get into Trump's indictment on this show too. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of, in lieu of doing that, let's go to commercial <laughs> to try to get paid and then we'll come back with Barrel or Not. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back from commercial, Chad. Thanks, Smith. LinkedIn. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to get a job. Thanks I, to you, LinkedIn. Yeah, I think... Um, LinkedIn expires at the end of March, so we're one day we're one day late to collect oh, on shoot. that ad. I Dang missed it. my job. <laughs> um, at any rate, barrel or nah from a listener, socks with sandals. You know, this is a real Australian thing, or was a real Australian thing. I think it's a clear no in every way of both practicality of you're out in the dirt and you're basically just walking around in your socks, right? They're going to get filthy no matter what. I don't even know what the point is. Why are you wearing sandals if you're in socks? Right. All of it is so absurd. The, uh, what? The function of that, of socks with sandals, is so wrong that I think it almost backs into a barrel where it's such an absurd thing to do that have at it. Like, I don't feel offended. I don't feel like you're making a style blunder if I see somebody wearing socks and sandals. I think you're on some bold thing. Yeah. I Well, I'm wondering, I think there's fashion choices that people currently make that are intended to be ugly. Like, that's kind of a thing nowadays that I see a lot of young people doing. Sure. Where it's like baggy jeans, you know, I mean, like it's, it's excessively gone. It's normcore yes. gone, gone wild. Correct. Like, it's normcore taken to an ugly extreme. Exactly. And so that's the the chunky sneakers or the um Crocs. Crocs are just ugly inherently and that's and then Do they you want to know something I learned about Crocs real quick? What? Ballet teacher told daughter get her in Crocs. And I was like, "What?" And she said back, "Do you think I wear Crocs because I think they're fashionable?" And I rarely see her in Crocs, but apparently Crocs Wearing Crocs and listeners, here's a hot tip, strengthens the entire foot. When you wear Crocs, your foot gets really strong hmm. all the way around. So I asked her for the hippie alternative. I said, what if I get her in a pair of Birkenstocks? And she said, no. Hmm. So yeah, Crocs, apparently, if you want a strong foot, go Weird. for Crocs. I've never once thought about needing a strong foot. I mean ballerinas need one. So if you're doing but yeah. imagine how a strong foot would deal in I would imagine, to be honest, besides his broken metatarsals, 
part of Kelly Slater's uh, like secret sauce was strong feet. Imagine what you can do on a surfboard with strong feet, like pulling it back under you with toes and whatnot. It could totally be a secret, uh, like a little hidden unlock. Totally. I mean, that's what, because ballerina, it's all about a strong foot, right? Like they work their stinking foot muscles, which I've never thought about before, but direct application to surfing. You know who wears Crocs? Uh, Sterling Spencer. Exactly. Look who's who's on the real comeback. Absolutely. Yeah. Sterling. All right. I'm getting myself a pair of Crocs, but no sandals. But like the, and also like, I typically think sandals and uh, socks, like the a flip-flop and a sock, right? Where the toe sure. is shoved in the sock. That's weird. And of course, you see a lot of like 50, 60-year-old men, like a Tiva thing and a sock. <laughs> and I have no idea what they're doing, to be Me honest. Neither. Like, I have zero idea why they don't just put shoes on. Because that dude does not want to do laundry. That dude is not getting home and looking at his filthy, dirty socks and thinking, that was a good choice today. So... He's somehow thinking something else. Is he thinking they're breathing? No. Or... I, the only thing I could think of as an answer would be old person putting a shoe on. You have to bend over and it's difficult. You got to strap the Velcro of your, any of those sports sandals. There's still a bending over strapping down scenario maybe. happening. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Don't know why this even exists. Get... It's bizarre. I'm going to say, I'm going to say barrel. Cause I'm so confused by it. <laughs> the uh, whole point of, a sandal is to not have to wear socks. Sure. That's the entire point. The entire point. And yeah. if it's too cold to wear a sandal, but like, it's honestly like, except maybe here's the crossover. How great. I just got one from Volcom, to be honest. I haven't worn it yet because it's obviously too freezing. Got a straight two millimeter wetsuit from Volcom. A two, not a three, two, a two. When you get down into the minimal millimeters, you feel so juicy. Yeah, I know. And ready to go that maybe that's what socks and sandals feels like. It's like surfing in a two millimeter wetsuit. Hmm. It's a good question. I'll have to uh, never try it. I mean, I won't try it either, but I do love a two mil. So maybe I'm. <laughs> I know the two mil is the perfect suit, man. How great is a two mil? It's I a don't full know suit. why three two is it's like full... such the thing because your body doesn't need three. Yeah. Your torso does not need three millimeters of warmth. Well, it depends what the water temperature is, but that's the point is you want a wetsuit for every version of water temperature. So if it's below 60, I'm going three, two, but if it's like 64, I don't need the three. I can go with the two. Like a two millimeter wetsuit is the ultimate gross luxury. It is like a straight, like I'm going to tonight for dinner, I'm going to eat caviar and I'm going to put my caviar on like something like on a foie gras. Yeah. I'm going to do. I'm going to eat caviar and foie gras tonight exactly. because it's yeah. the temperature is 63 to exactly. 66 degrees. <laughs> I'm not even hungry. I'm just going to add some. Um, okay. Well, barrel or non number two comes from a listener. Yo, Surf Thunder. Bruce here from Atlantic City, New Jersey. I have a good barrel now for you guys. Wearing your changing towel out after you change, like to go get a coffee, like you just surfed, you just changed out of your suit, you still got your towel on, but then you wear your towel to go get coffee or go get breakfast. I have a buddy that does this, and I swear it's the biggest kook move ever, to the point where 
I get secondhand embarrassment, and then I try to just not – I almost just not even want to associate or get breakfast with him because I know he's going to wear that stupid changing towel. So changing towels, wear them out after you change, barrel or not. Always love listening. You guys always have great things to say. Cool. I didn't even know this was a thing. Okay, if he's meaning by changing towel, this is a real – goes one of two ways. If he's meaning changing poncho – that is like a horrible zero barrel, ugly yuck yuck, right? If he is wearing his changing poncho into the coffee shop, like that guy should no longer be your friend, Bruce. If by changing towel you mean towel wrapped up, shower style around the waist? I think he means towel, not poncho. Are you sure? He said towel. I think he means a, but he said changing. I think Bruce is gonna have to call in for confirmation. I'm saying if it's a changing poncho, totally disgusting. If it's a towel wrapped around the waist like you got out of the sauna, straight barrel. That's a boss move. <laughs> Man, I first of all, I've never heard of anybody doing either. And I don't think I've ever seen either. So, um, and either way, it's a nah for me. I mean, that's ridiculous. If you, you can saw somebody... The only reason he's doing it is to showcase to the people in the coffee shop that he surfed and he got out of the water. That's why he's doing it. Okay, though, what if he's going, like, what if he's got to get back to work, right? Or going to work. Say he goes down for a morning surf. He has his hoodie. Gets done surfing. Like, let's presume he got in his wetsuit on the way to, he has a wetsuit, rolled down at the waist, hoodie on to drive. Gets out, it's cold, takes a hoodie off, wetsuit on, surfs, gets out. Hoodie back on, takes the wetsuit off with the towel because his work pants are at home. That's a barrel move. Well, that's just poor planning. No, because you you don't want your work pants wrinkled in your truck while you're in your Tacoma while you're surfing. The towel is strictly for the change. The towel is not for transport. You then bring a separate pair of shorts or pants. That's what you wear. I'm going to say I'm going to start doing this on the reg. I'm going to start just basically walking around the neighborhood in my changing towel. And by changing towel, I don't mean poncho. I mean a towel that I use to change. There's also too much that can go wrong with a towel that's tied that way around your waist. That's what makes it so it's like, it's a, it's a dynamite situation. What might happen? I mean, I'm not, I mean, this is a teenage behavior, so I'm not advocating that anybody do this, but I cannot count the number of times that me and my friends yanked one of another's towel off in that moment sure they're changing their hands are occupied and you see that opportunity and all you got to do is grab the flap and just rip and one time we were in uh like up by monterey on beach changing and it was windy and i grabbed my cousin's towel and then just threw it straight in the air and the wind caught it like a sail and blew it 10 feet down the beach so he was completely naked waist down and then there's people around, and so rather than running the 10 feet to his towel, he opted to sit in the sand and cover himself up with sand. See? If he would have... <laughs> this is this is the whole thing. If you're wearing your changing towel out and or around and or a place where it can be removed, uh, you've got to have in the back of your mind when that does happen, he should have just walked real slowly, confidently, nakedly, <laughs> over to his towel, picked it up, shaking it off, put it back on. No problem. Yeah. I mean, the person who is so brave, I mean, yeah, again, I've shared this story before. First time I ever went surfing with Derek Riley, uh, had never met him, had been riding for Stab for probably a year at this point, Uh, flew to Australia, Sam McIntosh and Derek Riley picked me up from the airport, 
we went straight for a surf. Derek did his beach change without a towel, just got stripped down fully <laughs> naked in the parking lot, standing there chatting, whatever, put it on his wetsuit, took off his wetsuit, put on his shorts. Uh, and I thought, this is how they do it here. They got smart. They, who needs a towel? Who cares? And lo and behold, that's not the way they do it. That's the way Derek does it. But <laughs> it was it was such a boss move that I was just like, no wonder Derek Riley is Derek Riley. Yeah, that is very Derek Riley. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, I'm going no on walking around with your changing towel full stop, but I'm going barrel. We'll diverge. That's fine with me. Uh, so this one came from a listener, but it's an email, and he actually smashed three into one not three into one but three in a row first one being the most salient uh old timers griping about the end of the glory days and the surf or the lineup barrel or nah he says i'm thinking nah we get it you had it better than anyone else congratulations truly happy for you but trying to pin surfing's demise on the newish generations shows a major lack of awareness if you wanted to keep it a certain way you probably should have not done that or you probably should have done that and not sold the entire pursuit uh to any and all bidders let us enjoy what scraps we have left he goes on to say barrel or not number two mentioning the make and manufacture of your promotion of your luxury pantalones more than once a year that one's aimed at you Mm, good Uh, on that one final final barrel or not is barrel or not Rigid enforcement of societal norms seems to oppose the classic counterculture of surfing setup. Uh, go ahead and address the first one, I'd say. I mean, so barrel, real quick, we can just get him out of the way. Barrel on barrel or not is a barrel. Uh, barrel on make and manufacture of pantalones. Total barrel. Right now, oh man, I wish I, I'm wearing a good pair right now. It's too bad we're not in the studio. I can't even get to my tag, so can't see. But it's a solid pair, and I wish I could shout out the manufacturer. Uh, put it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, Everybody's l- dying to know. <laughs> 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 Lastly, uh, the so what I hear him saying or addressing is nostalgia. Nostalgia is a full non-barrel all the time. Mm. So it's better dot, dot, dot. Dumb. It's a, it's a non-starter for me. At the very, like, oh, man, we used to go down to blank and surf blank with two people. Yeah. Your nostalgia, whether that's true or not, whether it was better or not, what all of that, I don't care. Like, yeah. I live in the now. I live what we have these days. This is, this is the best because this is what we have. Yeah. So that's it for me. There is zero barrel on back in the day, we blank. I'm going to agree with you. And I default into doing it, I think, more often than I would like to. Um, But the truth is, I don't think it was as good as I think it was. No, of course not. Whatever the thing was, it might have been a pizza at a particular place. It might have been the waves like he's talking about. It's only good with the sheen of hindsight, you know, and there's so much of it is sentiment like there was something about the way you were feeling that day that made you think like you were just in a great mood and you experienced it well. And you can maintain that mood today. The way that you're not going to be in that mood today is if you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror, feeling like it was always better. Yep. No, recreate the moment. 
in in light of today's circumstance and just create a brand new fresh version of it you know that's what you nostalgia is a straight non-starter i feel like if you're sure i'm sure a lot of things might have been better a lot of things might have been worse we will never know because exactly like you said so much of it is in how you perceived it yeah and so like you can never know so enjoy that for what it was if you had what you felt was were great experiences back in the day then great that you enjoyed those and enjoy today equally and inevitably the 55 year old dude in the lineup who's complaining and saying man it was so much better when i was 30 he's going to end up being a 65 year old dude wishing that he would have appreciated it when he was 55 that's if we could if we could gift our listeners one thing it would be no skin cancer if we could gift them another it'd be get rid of that nostalgia like enjoy whatever past you've had or experienced enjoy today even more or as much man nostalgia is a curse it's such a curse i use i think i've said it on the show before it used to be categorized as a mental illness oh until, yeah you're until right. recently you're yeah. right you have mentioned that before yep that is very interesting i mean the truth is there is a this kind of like morsel of nostalgia that has a warm feeling attached to it. But then That's everything, great. everything beyond that becomes uh, like, yeah, a deficit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you're fixating on something that you neither can change nor yeah. go back and experience. And so like, that's, I think the mental illness aspect, right. Is yeah. you're fixating on something that had happened instead of living in and fully realizing whatever, that's why today is the present. Yep. David Lee Scales. Wow. Today is a present. Wow. Pure yep. poetry. Yep. Boom. Incredible. Well, we'll yep. end on that note. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks to Twilsey. Thanks to uh, John still in survival. Thanks to everybody's contributions today. Looking forward to more next week. Like I said, I got a bunch of listener line calls and I just did not have the time to kind of go through them. So I'll spend some time next week and do that. Um, but yeah. And then of course, beachgrit.com where you can get everything beach grit related surf where you can get, uh, this show and our entire archive of over 200 episodes for entirely free, but also much more shows, right? It's stinking. How many shows are there all in now between all of the various shows? Are there I, 800 I, shows? Yeah, I think 800 actually. Um, there's eight shows and well over a thousand episodes all told, you know, so we, you and I have 200 here. Scott and I have 300, I think. Um, Surf Splendor has 450. And then, yeah, everything else. So, yeah, over a thousand episodes. If you're new to this, do a deep dive in the archive. You'll be lost for years. You're perfect. Yeah. All right, Chaz, um, anything else you got to talk about or say, promote? No. All right, cool. I think we're all good. All right, man, thanks. Until next week. Bon voyage. Bon voyage.